Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us live, we love seeing you every every Thursday night, 9.30 Eastern, both in Facebook and YouTube land, live on the chat. Those chats are always fun. And remember, your chats might show up on the show. So there's a little bonus perk for watching us live. If not, we love having you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app or on the Facebook and YouTube replay. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. And next up for his introduction, a man who could not wait to get started with this show. Jason I couldn't Richards. wait to see everybody and their, their smiling faces online. Uh, Jason Richards, past master of Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia. I'm glad to be here. All righty then. Next up, Robert Johnson. How's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good, guys. Happy to be here. Um, before our big uh, trip tomorrow. So, uh, well, my trip tomorrow, you guys are doing something else. I don't know. Anyway, past master walk Saturday. Saturday. You guys come Saturday. Uh, Waukegan 78, past uh, master, current sitting secretary, and uh, secretary over at Space Novum 1183, the premier lodge of Masonic education in the grand jurisdiction of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here. Nice. Happy to have you. And last but not least, Never Pass Master, Joe Martinez. Hello, Never Pass Master. I love it. I noticed that I wasn't in the uh, room yet, so Robert could not hear me say for life every time he said secretary. So I'm really bummed. So never do that again. Number one, Uh, Joe Martinez, back from Texas, still worshipful master. I thought I tried to escape, but uh, I'm still here. So yeah, Joe Martinez, worshipful master, Manassas Lodge, number 182 member of 40 bajillion other things and damn glad to be here Woo! awesome super cool glad to have everyone here full house tonight so before we get into it as always i want to give a special shout out to the patreons who support the show head over to patreon.com slash the masonic roundtable chip in a few bucks and help uh make joe a little handsomer every week please we need the money filters are for man for, for Joe, Joe, Joe needs some new filters well <laughs> i gotta get the uh i gotta get the uh, five dollar you know they got that bundle the five dollars and you get a hundred ai generated graphics and they <laughs> yes. all have me with hair like luscious luscious hair it's awesome yeah. i love it i love it i think we're just gonna start doing little steps you know like mascara yeah just one some foundation just a little bit yeah. just subtle right Every, work your way into uh, it yeah Yep. I, I all I know. all I have to say is who wore it best? You're a jerk. Nice. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, like I'm wearing two Kevlar vests when no, that's just <laughs> me and my body we, size. <laughs> we had uh, I had a good friend of mine who who once said uh, everybody looks better in mascara. Just so that, that I just throw that out there. I guess I, I guess that's uh, what we got to do. Uh, and I think. Uh, the top hat guy. What's his odd job? Odd his job. Pants, job man. his yes. pants were were nice and creased. Joe, you you gonna have to work on that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let me. Okay, so hold up a second. I had to wear a black suit in 110 degrees in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, there was no part of my body that was not <laughs> glistening with perspiration. <laughs> Take it up with Texas oil. 
Texas, I don't know what you people did to piss off whatever deity it is you pray to, but good God in heaven, people. It was so damn. It was like 100 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, who? what is this? Nonsense. It's a, it's a cold spell. That's what it is. Man. Don't like it. All right. Speaking of things that you don't like, tarot card of the week. Joe. I love it. I love it. I love it. We have to go extra slowly. Um, just out of spite today for none your business for none. Your, yes. It says, hurry up. None your business. So Joe, what's our tarot card of the week? What's our deck of the week? How about that? I'll start there. What the hell are you talking about? You told Jason to do it. I told you to have it. No, he told you to do it <laughs> and he's gone. <laughs> uh, um, I'm back. Hi. Oh, hey, there he is. Oh, okay. There we go. I, yeah, I, no, I don't want that one. Um, all right, we're going to go with the uh, DC tarot deck for the all super right. nerds out there. Right on. Um, don't know if we've done this deck before. I thought you told me to put this one away, sir. So um, I did. Well, here so, we are. Well, here we are. We're going to shuffle a little bit. And we're going to talk about it. Lord have mercy. Okay. All right. Okay. You ready? We could always do a Lenormand at some point. All right, stop talking for a second, you. No. Week. All right, boom, there we go. Ace of Wands. Ooh, I love it. Mm. Uh, and what staff do we have Is there? Is that a Klingon warrior staff? No, that's a... a that is a Starman. Mm. Yeah. Ah. I think they did some crappy show on, on the CW. Um, on the CW, <laughs> I feel like that's uh, a bit redundant. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, it's Ace hey. of Wands, right? Ace of Wands, Ace of growth yeah. and potential. Potential, like manifestation, creativity. It's a, it's a great first date card. Yeah, throw that out there. Just growth because it. Throw that out to who? When was the last time any of us had a first date? A long time. Long time. Um, it's a good, it's a good date ago. card. Period. Yeah, it is a good date card. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of potential, a lot of uh, mass potencia, growth. See, a lot of, yeah. So it's a good card. It's a good power. I mean, and it's always good. Seriously, when you draw draw one of those, if you're starting a new project, um, you know, starting any new endeavor, it's like, hey, things are, things are lining up to make you successful. Do it. Which is a good segue into this week's topic, which is how to be successful with Masonic instruction. All right. So uh, one topic I, I've been thinking about for a while here is on the concept of like basically Masonic pedagogy, which is like, how do we explore other options of teaching Masonic education, right? There's no doubt that all of us here on the Masonic Roundtable are huge, huge fans of Masonic education. However, that's just the message. How you convey the message and how it gets received are completely, you know, different aspects of, of how do we, you know, grow and create and uh, propagate this art and this craft that we have. So tonight we're going to talk about all the different ways that either work today or maybe some areas that we could explore going forward. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we dive in? Joe? Um, no, I mean, I think this is, I think this is an important topic to cover because 
for two reasons. One, things are so jurisdictional, right? There's so many different ways to skin a cat, and it seems like every jurisdiction does it a little bit differently. So there's no right answer, right? There's our own experiences and what we've seen and what works and what doesn't work. But I think the other big thing is, is that we as an organization are so stodgy in the way we do things in general, right? That the thing that worked 75 years ago is still being thrown out today. And who's to say that that is the right or the wrong way to do it. Right. So change is hard. It's immutable. Um, it's tradition. You know what? Crucifying people was tradition, but we stopped <laughs> doing that after a while. You know, we were like, wow, this is bad. You know, uh, like my favorite quote, I saw some meme on Facebook that said tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> I like it. It's uh, it's kind of true, right? But yeah. but one of the things I think we'll talk about tonight is uh, presenting new information and new facts to an audience of people who might not be so ready to receive those things. Mm. So exactly. So let's talk about kind of the way it's done today. So if you're not a Freemason, then there is a little bit of learning that has to occur as you go through your degree system again it is highly jurisdictional but it, it generally falls into one or two categories uh here in virginia we are a what we call a mouth to ear state so after we go through an oral play yeah, or states with no written ritual that's not the way we did it in my ear that's funny um because once you actually complete your degree then you actually have to study your catechism and none of it can be written down we don't get cipher books unlike most jurisdictions so we have nothing to even look at we actually have to depend on a mentor to remember the ritual and then to actually convey it to us orally in, in a private person. setting in person in a private setting yeah right because that's you know doing it over the phone is a no-no huge no-no right the, the spies could be listening Right. So that's the way it's always been, um, especially here in Virginia and other jurisdictions. Robert, does yours have a cipher book? So in Illinois, we have, uh, uh, well, for the longest time, we did have a cipher book. And, uh, you know, it was really just the uh, clan, the, the, those clandestine Ronane books. Uh, or Ro Ro Ronin, yeah, I think it's Ronane, um, or the Ezra Cook books. Uh, not a cookbook, Ezra Cook, the publisher of of these exposés, and uh, they were mm. so uh, pretty much spot on with what eventually became the Illinois uh, Blue Book or the Standard Ritual. Gotcha. Uh, so a lot of guys actually still have those and they keep them in their back pockets. Now, Illinois does publish its ritual in the standard work. It's a blue book and everything is in plain language with the exception of uh, the obligation uh, and passwords, points of entrance, those kinds right. of things. But, but all the lectures are open there. And Good. for anybody to see. So there's no arguing with anybody about what it says because everybody can see what it says right now. That's good. That's good to have. Yep. That's nice. Mm -hmm. So that's, been, again, a tradition that most jurisdictions have on how to, after the degrees, instruct the candidate on what they need to know to progress, whether it be through a certain period of time or they pass a proficiency of some for, some sort, whether it be orally or you know, we have short form in Virginia as well. Or they, 
you know, go out to the water fountain for five minutes and then come back for their next degree. Yeah, I think uh, President McKinley did that too. <laughs> but so that's it works, but in the 21st century, it's not the most efficient way of doing that. It isn't like just reading and remembering isn't the most efficient thing. One way communication. That's that's the way that it's always been. Instruction has always been the teacher talks, you listen and write down or not 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 writing down Masonic things. But in your brain. Store it away in here, right? And hey, there's other to, things in pedagogical relationships in ancient Greece too, but yes. That's frowned upon. But we're gonna pick just one one of those and stick yeah. to it for three hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there's always the bias of, well, that's the way I suffered through it. So therefore, if I'm going to be someone's mentor, well, that's the way I learned how to do it. There's really not any better ways, especially that, that I'm allowed to, to use. But let's just go through the thought experiment of what are other things to consider that if we were to reimagine uh, the different types of learning and instruction techniques that are available, especially now, uh, what would that look like? So I'm going to open it up for anyone, anyone at all. Anyone? Jason, oh, I've got what, something. Okay, I'm, Jason, what are you thinking about? <clears throat> what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about Joe really wants to go. So okay. Oh, oh, you're nice. Oh, hi. So I, I, I just had a question for clarification. Are we just talking about candidates or are we talking about everybody? Everybody. Masonic education, yeah, included. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we started the conversation off about candidates, and uh, sure. you know, you brought up the whole mouth to ear thing, catechism. Right. No, can't do it ahead. over the phone. Uh, there are some jurisdictions that don't teach a catechism, so there's something to be said for the the pedagogy of how valuable is it to just learn some ritual via memorization. Like, mm -hmm. um, uh, let's take the District of Columbia for example. Um, each lodge, you know, lodges there have a little freedom to do, you know sort of different things with their candidates um there's a bare minimum different requirements but some lodges i know have their candidates write papers and research they must write a paper you must present a paper then oh, when wow. chat gpt you. cannot write that for you correct um yeah and uh it, in fact it's funny my daughter started uh my daughter started college. Um, my oldest started college this week and I'm looking over her syllabus and it's funny. There's a whole big thing on there. It's a, we run, uh, AI scanners on all of your work and blah, 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 blah. And you can't, and you can't even use Grammarly anymore. Um, which is ridiculous because yeah. I use Grammarly to clean up my stuff. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. So they have to write a paper and present a paper and it turns into paper and then, a really long discussion about the paper and we find out what the candidate learned and what his thoughts are and stuff. So, you know, that's to say, is there value in rote memorization of things that these people have no idea what it means? As Scott Newberry says, right? Because education should be a conversation, not a lecture, right? We, we don't want to be talked to. We want to have this discussion of what it means. Well, and I've, so I've gone through countless <laughs> like, you know, corporate sponsored trainings where they talk about facilitation because I'm, I'm a facilitator is part of some of the stuff I do at work. And they, they always go through the same example of like you, you remember, you know, like 3% of what you hear, you remember, yeah, goes right through 
you you remember 10% of what you actually see and then like it goes up exponentially when you talk about like modeling behavior and what you kind of work through cognitively um, and figure out on your own. And so the, I think there has to be an inherent practical application for things to really stick and really stick well. And I think that's, that's something new in the forms of, of, you know, Masonic pedagogy that, I think we should think about incorporating more than we do, you know, practical exercises to build good habits, to truly inculcate the tenets of the fraternity. I like that. I, I'm reminded of the Benjamin Franklin quote, right? Tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I'm actually learning. So whether it's, he actually said it or not is irrelevant. It proves Jason's point. Well, it's, it's like you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You, you know, set a man on fire, you keep him warm for the rest of his life. Something, something like that. <laughs> That's like something I would say. <laughs> yes. No, I like that because now you're getting into kind of the Im improvements that can come into. Right. Yeah. To how, how do we learn? How do we engage? Right. Uh, because modern science has shown that people are different types of learners. What works for Jason might not work for Joe, which might not work for Robert. So it's not a one size fits all anymore. And some people really um, apply learning differently. Uh, so for, for me, I'm, I'm definitely much more of a visual learner. I like to see things spatially and I can start to organize events. Some people are, uh, what's it called? Uh, kinesthetic, kinesthetic learners where they need to touch it and feel it. And they want to hold that, that 24 inch gauge, right. To, and, and smell it and look at it and feel the polish on the wood to see how, um, how it applies to them. <laughs> so for, for me, like. I'm, I was very, I was very auditory. And so I picked up the catechism yeah. really, really quickly from this a guy. mouth to ear type of yes. scenario. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, Jason has an amazing mind for that because he can hear the syntax, put it together and he's it's, off. And I can match the cadence and my brain just kind of fills it in. Yeah. That drummer, drummer for never the win. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> right. What type of what type of learner are you, Robert? I'm definitely kinesthetic, so uh, it doesn't work. It's not a great thing for like I guess learning and memorizing things. So what ends up happening is uh, my brain decides to make up the difference by uh, sort of projecting a kinesthetic like. Uh, technique to something that is kind of intangible of like reading right so um, I have a pretty photographic memory um, like for instance when I'm recalling ritual I know where it is on the page it's almost like I'm reading it back Ooh, out of the book that's awesome so that's cool. but, but that's that's what happens for me. Like other people just can friggin' memorize it and it's awesome. And they get it like right away. I do have to practice. So I guess it's not truly photographic, but it's imprinting, but it's, you can now see it in your mind's eye. Yeah. The more you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like when it comes almost to, like eidetic. 
Yeah, kind of a little bit. But the thing is, is like with anything else, let's say ritual in particular that involves motion, the things that are outside of the written or the, the written word or, or, or what we're trying to say um, here in Illinois. And I know in many other states, they're very militaristic in the way we do things. There are counts like when we do a rod shift, one, two, three, four, you know, that kind of thing. So a lot of that and getting down that ritual for me is much easier than say reading how the ritual is supposed to be done in a book when I can do it like, you know, in, in real time with a class of, you know, certified lodge instructors or what have you. Uh, so for me, that that's what works best. I'm a kinesthetic learner. It's one way to involve candidates. If you're mentoring someone, right. And you're trying to teach them uh, either a specific part of ritual or, or actually go through the catechism with them. Uh, one thing I've worked really w- that I've heard re- works really well. I've never tried it. Is actually go into the lodge room with the candidate and actually walk through the degree with them as if they are going through it and stop, do some instruction. Right. Here's what this meant. Here's what that meant. Let's keep going to the next step, right? Because they are getting all the senses involved. Right? They are moving. They're smelling the lodge room with fewer guys in it, which is good, and they're also being involved they're they're in the space and so i think um you know you're because anytime you can get more of the senses involved in learning that's a win well it's it's that repetition to you know when you're going through the degree yourself you know it's over in a flash you're disoriented for most of it it's sensory overload um and so i've actually taken several of my mentees back to the lodge room when we're re- learning catechism and we go through the same steps that they went through and just with a clearer head and more of an understanding of what actually is going on and what it means because again rote ritual memorization is good for making new masons but it's not good for achieving the aim of our fraternity which is to inculcate our lessons and make men better Uh, so sorry, we talked sorry, about I was, learning I, styles. Go ahead, Robert. I was a little late there on unmuting. I apologize. But to what Jason just said is so important. And we've been harping on this for a bazillion years. There's a lot of guys out there that have been harping on this. But I think it bears uh, kind of reiterating and really driving this, this idea home that sure, the ritual and the words and the rote memorization can make a mason in terms of their initiation and putting them through the degree but this kind of idea of inculcating, um, there's this idea that people go, oh, well, through that memorization, you start to really learn what that, what that language tends to mean. And then you start to embody that. It's now, the, not osmosis. That's right. Yeah. It is not. And just because, like, let's just say, for instance, that you magically, um, in, let's say, the short period of three years, decide that, you now understand the ritual as contextually and historically accurate, uh, like an understanding of, right? Like what the words meant what they were, when they were written, you understand that. Not what those words mean today, but what they used to mean. And so you understand that. Let's pretend you could get that in three years. It's okay. nearly impossible unless you're somebody like Jason, who's like, you know, master history here. But the thing is, is just because you can do that doesn't mean you're not out there in the world doing what it's telling you to do. 
I mean, I can tell you right now, the ritual calls us and it says every person has uh, like basically a, 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 claim. a claim to your kind offices. So even if we just take that small bit, now you look out there and you look at all the people who say, no, I'm not helping that person. Do good to some. Right. Like I'm not. Okay. So Mm -hmm. everybody usually knows, they know like my, my deist nature, but I find one of the best pieces of scripture. My buddy Scott Duvall had said it one day and it just really stuck with me. Right. What you do for the least of, of you, you do for me. Right. And so those kinds of ideas, you can't become just a better Mason. You can't just learn it by osmosis. Like Jason said. So it's important to, you have to have an educational foundation and, and a class and discussions and talking about this stuff. You gotta apply it. Yeah, if if Juan were here, he would say applied Freemasonry. Bingo. That's right. Right. And so you know, there's there's an interesting dichotomy between the book knowledge and the practical application, especially when it comes to spiritual growth and mysticism. Um, you know, little little quote here that says you know he he acts and reads no more he prays he forgives and has no longer time for judging and criticizing well the the intellectual wonders how this mystic um you know how what books this mystic read to to become this holy emanation of goodness and the more and more the intellectual reads, the more frustrated the intellectual gets because, you know, you can read all the books in the world, but if you don't take the message and, and take the tenets to heart and apply them, you're never going to see that growth. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like the, with the Englishman and the alchemist. He's like, mm-hmm. he's reading all these books. He's on mm-hmm. the back of the camel reading books. I know, I know I'm going to figure out the, uh, you know, Philosopher's Stone in the next book. I know it's going to be in there, right? And he never finds it because he doesn't apply it. Joe? Well, I think that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this tonight, right? Like one of the important aspects of pedagogy is critical thinking, you know, and how how much critical thinking does one do when they're rote memorizing their catechism? You know what I mean? To Jason's point, uh, bringing people into the lodge, you know, and walking them through that that's phenomenal i I love that you do that um not a lot of people do um you know at at our lodge for the longest time we would have a degree and then the next couple weeks after that we would because we practice every week we would have ritual practice but we would practice that same degree that we just did and we'd bring the candidate back and sit him down be like hey this is what you saw this is now the hoodwinks off and this is all the things that you heard and stuff and here's where things happen so it starts to sink in and they're able to learn that but you know again the the whole for me the the concept of teaching catechism through rote memorization and then doing nothing with it is you're wasting people's time you know you really are there's there's no nice way to say that and so we've talked a lot about the initial stage of pedagogy which is you know the making of the mason and kind of that initial certification of that man as a mason what about recertification what what do we do for the guys who have been in lodge for 30 years don't get me started like what's the plan for you know pdus right professional development i was gonna say yeah Yeah. 
as you, as you were getting through Jason, you know, every professional certification that's worth its grain of salt, like has a re up time period. That's not good forever. And not all in that between when you got it and when you need to recertify, you need to prove you've done something with it or, and, or have taken additional learnings in that field of study. Right. Well, how amazing would that be to have, you know, Masonic, you know, uh, professional development units, right? To say, what have you done in the past two years as a master Mason to learn more about symbolism, more, learn more about the officers, learn more about your Grand Lodge uh, regulations, your lodge bylaws, right? Those kind of things. That would be amazing to say, you just show me you've done something with Masonically. And it's kind of, you know, it's things like the Royal Schofield Society in Ohio, like, or like the Hoogra Academy, like there are, or the master craftsman course, like there are little pockets of excellence as far as continued Masonic education and deeper Masonic education go. It's just, you know, little pockets here and there. And that's, that's why to me, like Masonic education is so critical as a part of every lodge meeting. Um, fun fact, you know, every lodge meeting in Virginia, by law, must have a Masonic education component to it. Eh. Kind of. I mean, like, I've been to a handful of Virginia meetings, and uh, they don't. It's not, <laughs> it is not education as we see it. So, yeah, most people get around that, and I'm calling you out. You know who you are. Uh, most people get around that by saying that doing a part of ritual counts as education. So, yeah. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you want to do the bare minimum. That's 37 pieces of flair, right? Cause, Correct. Because we, we want people to, you know, express themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that's it. Um, we we should have some sort of um, education in every everyone. Now, another thing I wanted to, to think about, too, is... You know, just just since I've been alive, there's been a growing focus on, you know, how individuals and kids in school learn, right? Because there are different learning disabilities, right? That some that have been previously undiagnosed with previous generations, right? Things that we've only found uh, ways to measure them through through modern techniques, right? So we have to take take that into consideration that it's not even just the way that things are presented from a, like a lecture standpoint, but also maybe that's just, that is not how the learner uh, absorbs information. Yeah. And right? I think so. there's a, there's gotta be a, a yeah, I think, okay. So, you know, 10, 15, maybe even five years ago, uh, you know, we routinely used words like learning disability. Um, and this comes from a place of, social norms like apparently you know uh the, the way the school system works if you learn well and within that locked in system then you're regular if you tend to learn better just slightly different it can be classified as a learning disability just because you don't f you know you're the, you're the you're the square peg in the round hole and so we have seen this uh in the fraternity for many years you see it and it comes off as kind of like a, a, a remnant of even the trade guild days. 
not everybody learns the same. And when you take on an apprentice of any sort, you teach them in the way they learn because you're friends. You kind of learn how they learn. You uh, understand them better. And so even to say like learning disability today, it's more like non-traditional ways of learning, right? Like yeah. I, I technically would have a learning disability uh, because of the way I do math. Uh, they thought for years I was just like, like an idiot savant. It's like, nope, I just do it in my head a little bit differently that involves rounding and subtraction because that's just the way my brain works, right? I couldn't write the formulas on the chalkboard the way they wanted. So, you know, I'm LD. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of brothers out there that uh, can get quite frustrated because we've been teaching the same way forever. So this is a wonderful topic that we're exploring because you guys are bringing up all of these different methodologies. Um, and I hope that uh, lodges out there are going, hell yes. You know, finally somebody yeah. can, you know, relate. So just a note. Another thing that I've been thinking of too. So I'm going to ask a question to you guys. So you buy some new tech, right? It's something that's unique right? It's not, it's not a new MacBook. It's not, you know, it's something that is, is special, has a lot of functions. What's the first thing that you do? Like, if you want to learn more about it, you read the manual. No, watch, YouTube, read the manual. YouTube, videos. watch YouTube videos. That's where I was going. So at least oh, one no. guy got yeah. it right. Right. Just, we go straight. I just punch straight. around. Just click on stuff until it breaks. Yeah. No, most, <laughs> most people, cool people, they'll go right to like, to YouTube. YouTube is the number two search engine in the world right now, right? Because they want to see it. They want to like, you know, get some feedback. They want to, they want to see, see all somebody the, do it. Exactly. I want right. to see yeah. somebody do it so I can copy that. Right. Uh, there is no, like, just go check out the video part of Masonic instruction. However, the good news is, is since COVID we've talked at length about all the different educational papers and topics that have been put online. Um, so we have to consider that as well, that there is a generation that won't read the manual. They'll just go straight to Google or straight to YouTube and search it up, as my kids say. And they'll, they'll find audiovisual, not just rote instruction, not just mouth to ear. They're going to find lots of different ways of text, audio, video, multimedia, PowerPoints, videos, like all that uh, to combine their way of, of ingesting this information. And so I think that's, that's something that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if a grand lodge had some sort of, Hey, just after your, this degree, go log in to our grand lodge education website. And now here's a whole bunch of videos that can describe stuff. And if you know, if you, if you can't come to lodge, you can see here, we're going to point out things in the lodge that you heard about. And we're going to go a little bit deeper on what the symbolism of this means. Like how yeah. great would that be? That violates my obligation, along with my Masonic <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> they all, they all violate your obligation. Violate, no. violate something. Yeah. Yeah. Did they not? Did, do you ever? Okay. Sorry for the society. Have you ever been accused of that? Of violating like, your obligation. Violating your obligations because you have tattoos. No, but I've seen enough uh, of the uh, the face. Well, you got to be quasi intelligent to um, actually take some of my tattoos and relate it to Freemasonry. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen on, uh, the winding stairs or sure, uh, yeah. what's another popular 
place where people just yell texas freemasons that's another good one um where people all post things, like oh i got my past master tattoo all and, things butthurt yeah, good yeah. Thing I, everybody loses that. their mind it's like you violated your obligation with a square and compass i'm like and i'll, I'll read it you know what i i give in i read it for an hour. my lodge it's on the door like, all right. All right. I'm going to, I guess, stop you guys. Sorry for my <laughs> tangential question. Back to John. Sorry. <laughs> Back to John. I, I got something though. Um, Go to ahead. Touch on what you were saying. Um, I love the old Masonic trope of go read a book. It's like, no, we don't have time to talk about this here, but read this, go read this book or, you know, and people will hit you with the, the good standards, morals and dogma. Great to give to a new master Mason. That's just priceless. You just, the man's going to lose his mind in a, a week. Um, Amazing paperweight. It is. But, uh, you, know, it, you know, the simple answer of, well, go read a book. And there's your answer. Um, now, while I love reading books, every single one of us love reading books. Um, there's got to be a way to break that mold of just go send somebody off by himself to read a book and, you know, glean the secrets of the universe. I'm glad you, you brought that up because uh, my first day on the job, right out of school, um, I was in a highly technical engineering job and literally they just said, here's your cubicle. Oh, and here are the books you need to read. And they just basically dropped what was the engineering equivalent of morals and dogma. Poof, right on my, right on my desk and the said, bar. have fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, enjoy. Let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, I'm, I'm, we're starting to get, we're starting to get anger, angerness on the, on the chat here. Oh, what's that? What is that? What is that? So when I started with VBA way back in the day, <laughs> nice. Um, they were like, "You're old." They were like, "Just read this." Oh, dud. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, "The puff of dust." Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "So apparently, when you build out something, you need to understand functions and scopes and executing function procedures." And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was like my. Uh, my Python book that was like that thick. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, what about the yes. nine editions of my CISSP book that, you know, kept yes. changing every four months? Yes. We Stupid. added, we added a new paragraph. You had to buy a new we added book. A, we added a semicolon. Um, so you got to <laughs> buy a whole new book. The test is going to be different. But uh, no, back to my point. I think that taking, well, uh, <laughs> taking a page out of Dean Leffenwell's book. Yes. <laughs> what, uh, what I've learned is that not everybody likes. I have no problem. And I think many of us have no problem curling up with a book and just smashing it. Right. And, and getting through it and pulling things out of it, but not everybody likes that, you know? So um, I know that uh, some places, some groups and some organizations and even some lodges, they'll have book clubs. Um, I like that. I've been to some, I've, I've hosted some. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me is, learning how people get through the material and how they, what things they pull out. Cause it's completely different from the stuff that I pull out, you know, and having those discussions going all the way back to your point is taking different ways of right. ingesting this material is the discussion is more fun than, than actually reading the content, you know? Right. So you're discussing collaborative learning at that point, right? Where you are going to get insights and you, uh, ideas have sex, and so when you have one good idea and another good idea, it can actually create. What is it with you today, man? Symbi symbiotic. You got the grabbing the gauge and ideas have. What is with you, man? It's <laughs> what happens when you draw the Ace of Wands. The Ace of Wands is like show. just totally clouded my mind for oh, the rest of the episode. Um, 
Now, there's a, there's another aspect that I wish would be kind of cool. In re related to the collaborative learning environment, um, there's a modern thing, like Khan Academy is the best example of this, which is called the flipped classroom, where students will actually, for homework, they'll actually do the reading. And then when they go to class, they're actually applying it working through problems and having a teacher there to help help them work through the problems right so it's not instruct and then go have um go do the homework later and then you struggle with it because you you miss something no it's either it's the other way it's the other way around it's flipped and so how great would that be to have some sort of like hey okay we do have a lot of cool masonic texts right but instead of just saying here's the book like joe said and just good luck now we actually say, read this chapter, and we're going to discuss it as a class together, or we're going to we're going to set aside ten minutes in lodge to discuss this. Like do like lodge book club, but in lodge, and actually start applying that stuff right away. How great would that be? Be super great. Be super great. Good. Do you so imagine Joe doing a book club on the secret teachings of all ages, like as part of the lodge meeting? So that was asked by, so we, we have a book club at my lodge. We're on our third book. Um, nice. uh, that was requested by more than one person. And I said, that book club would take four plus years. Half <laughs> the people would quit. And the other yeah. half would just have eyeball burnout because we'd be on the same chapter for like six months. So no. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. I love mixing different ways of learning. And I mean, we, we, I mean, we glossed over some of the easy ones. I mean, you guys have all been Masons, uh, you know, as long as I have, when did the shift happen between having a stodgy person behind a podium, reading a paper, move into, Oh, we're going to have multimedia in the lodge and we're going to access different ways that you can learn and, you know, bring sound in and bring presentations in and, you know, things like that. That's a very recent thing, you know? That's fair. Yeah, because at the beginning of my yeah Masonic career, it was definitely much more. Oh, we're gonna have some guy. Hey, can can you pull up the podium? Yeah, and he drags that old wooden table that was built in the '60s, drags it up to the <laughs> the top, and starts reading from from uh, his you know six neatly stapled pieces of paper, right? Um, no, it was cooler when they had the binders with the the whole punch, <laughs> and they brought their paper in a bind. Yeah, that was you knew it was going to be legit. <laughs> that that legit was classic time. Chef's Kiss education, right there. <laughs> like when the district education officer kind of shuffles around and he takes out his big briefcase and it's like yellowed pages. It's like okay, Dude, that it's like snooze fest at that point. I'm so triggered. The educational Jason. content of that isn't necessarily what's on the page. It is the page. It's mm. history, right? That's the only. It's like this archaic piece of history falling apart. And yet, yeah, it's not what's on the page. It's the actual page itself. And in, in terms of like Masonic archaeology, uh, that that's the only education that exists in those realms. Unfortunately, uh, snooze fest. It's a good question from uh, Esoteric Fitness. Do any Masons partake in Bible studies? Yeah, totally. Just yeah. out in the lodge. Yeah, I was going to say Christian ones probably do. Oh. Yeah. Just not in lodge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because we're, mm. we're all about harmony and tolerance, right? So we want to make sure that. Well, I think you can get through a Bible study without proselytizing. You know, there's a big Could. difference between 
Well, well, yes. And the line gets very thin when people start to actually talk and their mouths open and stupidity comes out, you know, so, but yeah, no proselytizing. Right. And Bible no means con- book, guys. Bible no conversing. Book. Yep. So another thing that's really implied in all these different techniques so far is that it should be tailored, right? Uh, it should get some sort of feedback, right? Because people have different learning techniques and learning needs. And so um, I'm not saying we need to innovate for innovation's sake, obviously, I'm not, but I think we do need to take into account. There are people, real world example, right? I, I had a, um, a mentee who could not get the catechism down at all, like was just struggling super, super hard. Great guy, would have made a great mason, but he bowed out. He just says, I, I can't do it. I got a young kid. Like I, I've tried, we worked for a couple months and he, you know, he just said, eh, I, I want to want to stay in, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. And that was, yeah, you know, we lost a good man because of that, that style of pedagogy. So it's, so it's sad to see. Boo. Boo. Boo yeah. on that. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, when we consider the whole purpose of why we care about different educational instructional techniques, it's so that not that they pass the test. We just don't want them to just become a master mason and that's it, right? We want to encourage things like lifelong learning. We want to encourage things that uh, apply critical thinking. We We want to do things that get beyond the literal words and start to explore what that means and the symbolism and what it means to them. Pardes. Right. Exactly. Exit Jesus. Right. That's why we want uh, to explore these, these different learning styles. Joe. Yeah. No question for you. And, and it's not rhetorical. Totally want an answer. Okay. Is our, the whole time you were talking, I was like, everything that John said would be so awesome. If our system as an organization was not designed to, reward doing all the things we just said don't do right so you know people who are the most amazing lecturers on earth right and they know every single word i know so many people that know the words right they've known them for 30 40 years they know every single word you can call this dude at two o'clock in the morning hey man what's this word for this boom he's got it and he knows it but he doesn't know anything about what it means bingo so he can deliver it all successfully and knows nothing about it right so but again we reward that it's like oh jason you know who memorizes super fast we're going to get him a certificate and we're going to do this and we're going to put him in line and we're going to make him worshipful master because he knows how to memorize stuff right i now, mean that's basically we, what happened but no it's not <laughs> we were you know we were blessed because jason actually knew how to do all the other things but i mean let's look at that how many lodges right. move people along and then end up putting someone in the oriental chair just because they can memorize stuff I remember sitting in Lodge when we had our DEO, District Education Officer, come and give a talk. And he blew my mind. I, I remember where I was sitting in Herndon Lodge when he said, you know, we have ritualistic requirements to become Master of the Lodge. We have zero educational requirements to become Master of the Lodge. Master! Master! Like, by, by the definition of that term, you have mastered the craft. We have zero educational requirements. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to sit in that chair in the Oriental chair. That blew my mind. Blew my mind. To your point, Joe. So what gets measured gets managed. What gets measured gets done. And so to your point, if we incentivize certain things willingly or unwillingly, we're going to get the result. A system gets the results it was designed for. And if we design, now you got me on a soapbox. I love this because we've maybe unfortunately designed a system that only rewards rote memorization because of tradition. And fortunately we have good men who make it through and have leadership traits, right? We try to supplement that here in Virginia through, through like subordinate lodge officer training or slot training. And like we'll slap a weekend on you and call, call you like leadership, you know, have leadership training. You're not really quite leaders in a weekend, but you know, we say we've checked that box, but other than that, it's, it's really a, can you memorize the words enough to sit in that chair? I think there's such an emphasis on this, of course, because of the traditional aspect of, of what you've identified here, but like what led to that? And for me, I look back at this stuff as sort of a, a tangible thing. It is a tangible way to show to your brothers that you have somehow dedicated this time, this learning to the craft, and they make this assumption falsely that this equates somehow to your dedication to the craft in all areas of your life. I once asked a past master, we were at Grand Lodge sessions, and we were talking about the necessity or lack of necessity for uh, a catechism return. And I said, I don't think it's necessary at all. And he said, why? I said, if he can tell me what happened in his own words, then he got it. If he can't, this is just me. I mean, I, I get it. There might be, you know, dissenters out there. But if you can't, um, then you don't get it yet. You don't understand it. And my dear brother Scott said, I disagree. If he can't memorize it, he's got no skin in the game, and he's not a real Mason. Like, literally, that's what he said. And I was, I was, I was taken aback by that because I thought it was very, like, like I get the school he comes from, right? I can't fault him for that. But for me, that was very narrow-minded. It's too acute. Yeah. I don't agree, but I understand. Well, if, if that if that were true, if that were true, what you said, I would expect there to be lots more people out there that have the rope memorization down pat that would blow our minds away um, with their learned and erudite ability to explain Freemasonry to us. But they don't. They walk through huh. an agenda and they wrap their gavel a couple of times and okay, the meeting's done. So and if that were also the case, you know, we wouldn't be in the decline that we're in that John loves to talk about. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. All right, here we go. We're now at that time where we're going to start wrapping it up. You ask the final question uh, of the week. And the final question of this week is your grandmaster for the day. How would you change the pedagogy of Masonic instruction or education? You can take your pick, right? So whether it be candidate progression or whether it be continual education. That's right. Like none your business says time to give those concrete ideas. Grandmaster for the day. What would you do? 
let's start with Jason. Take it away, Jason. Yeah, you clicked the wrong button there, didn't you? I well, <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah, there we go. Um, I think I would institute a program that would. Mm, For some reason, this is a really hard one for me. It is hard. It's a tough question. <laughs> because, you know, as Grandmaster, like, I would want to be respectful of, like, different learning styles and different needs for different lodges. And so I wouldn't want to just, like, put out an edict that says all of y'all are going to have Masonic education every meeting. Although, yeah. It'd be nice to have. Yeah, it'd be nice to have. Um, so I think what I would do instead is I would perhaps curate, set up a program to curate content and speakers and put forward an awareness campaign on how using those speakers and that content can better your lodge and better your members and better your membership. I like it. Very good. Thank you, Jason. Next up, let's do Robert. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, I used to be a, uh, a teacher for, um, I used to train people how to like, you know, fix parts of airplanes and stuff. So there's a lot of, it's very kinesthetic, but it also involves a, a ton of bureaucratic sort of paperwork and, and, uh, reviewing and memorizing things because of OSHA and Department of Defense, like con contractual safety obligations and, and all of these things. So it's really a tight bundle in how we had to approach this. Uh, CBTs are computer-based trainings, uh, watching videos, um, clicking through uh, to make sure you understood what you witnessed, and then practical examinations, all of these things turn out to be sort of a, a wonderful way to um, attack something, I think, in a way that helps you understand it inside and out. It's not unlike the medical profession. You know, you go to get your CNA or you go to get your EMT or your paramedic. You have tons of book work. You have practicals that take up all of your time um, and you're trying to do all of this so that you can eat, sleep, breathe. Like you have to know this stuff, right? Because it's a life or death in these situations. Now, granted, Freemasonry isn't life or death, but I would, I would contend that there's probably something that Masonry can do in terms of looking on the outside for how everybody else does stuff, right? We are so traditional and we like to say we, you know, we're the, you know, the, the, the what does uh, Nietzsche say? You think you're the ebb of humanity? You're fools, right? Freemasonry is at the ebb of enlightenment, okay? And the, the sooner we realize that, 
and uh, you know, like have a little bit of humility and look at what the outside is doing in terms of this stuff, then I think, you know, things might turn out to be a little bit better. And to do that, I think Rhode Island has a great program. Granted, they're very small. The Grand Master, I think the Grand Lodge requires everybody before going on to the next degree, they have to go to Grand Lodge and attend kind of like a trainings workshop. Now, what's involved there? I don't know. But I like the idea of coming together and being inclusive in a room full of guys uh, or people and learning together in the various different ways. Um, and I think that's just, that's the way I would do it. If I was grandmaster, I would say, you know, we need to have classes and those classes need to become so real that nobody's pencil whipping them. Right. Nobody nice. just shows up at a Masonic lodge meeting and there's no administration there and decide we're not going to do the opening ritual. Let's just stay in the dining room and whip through the agenda and we'll send out minutes and we just won't say that we didn't open. Nobody's doing that. Well, if they are, I don't know about it, but like in that same respect, no, we shouldn't be doing education that way either, but you should do it. Right. Love it. Very cool. All right, Joe, over to you. Um, everything RJ said, I'm just kidding. I have my own answer this huh. time. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I think if I were grandmaster for a day, which one? Um, I think fixing things from the top down is, is a good strategy, right? As, as we're, as we're in our refining stage uh, of this journey that we call Freemasonry. Um, and what I mean by that is, some of the things we were talking about earlier, where we have people who are untrained and unqualified becoming the leaders in our fraternity, uh, whether that's at the local level or at a district level or at a jurisdictional level. So why don't we make the criteria to do that fit more in line with the things that we teach and the things that we say, right? So just because someone memorizes things does not mean they're qualified to lead a lodge for a year or to be a district education officer or to be grand lecturer right um memorization is the means to an end it is not the end um so and that being said so what i would expect to see is if you're a line officer or if you're interested in becoming a line officer you should yeah absolutely you should memorize your ritual you should be able to uh impart the initiatic journey upon a candidate, but you should also know how to present education. You should know how to take the things that we do and apply them practically. You know, all the things that we say we like to do community service for the right reasons. Um, you know, not just to check a box on a form at the end of the year, um, bring brothers together and discuss the things that we preach in our ritual, right? So take that ritual and make it alive. Um, so having some sort of, like I said, a framework. So if you want to be master or a warden or a deacon or something, you got to be able to present a program. Um, and it can't be a crappy program. Um, and you can't just read out of the book. Um, or And you do have to memorize things. And you have to be able to uh, put a strategic plan together. Like all these things that we teach to business leaders, right? Um, teach those to us. Because at the end of the day, we're kind of sort of a business. And we're really crappy at it. So why don't we impart, you know, 60 plus years of, of business education into this 300 plus year old fraternity? So I'd say top down, take your leadership, retool it, teach them things, whether they want to learn it or not, and 
as it comes from the top, it'll trickle down eventually. You know, if, you know, if it's on the same trajectory as uh, how we've gotten stuck in this rut, it'll take 300 years, but we'll get there. We'll get there, together, so. <laughs> we'll yeah. get there by 300 more. Love it. Boom. Good stuff. Awesome. You know, I'm going to build on what you said, Joe, because what I think it, it really part. comes. I know this is great. What Joe said. And, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this whole like recertification program. Like every professional certification has this, this recertification aspect, right? So the only tweak I would make to it as grandmaster is that there are going to be role based certifications, right? So if you become a master Mason and you are happy to sit on the sideline, God bless you. That's important, right? We need members who are, are there willing to help out in the way they can, but are not ready to jump into an officer seat. However, if you are interested in becoming an officer, I think there should be another level of certification, you know, additional requirements necessary that, that, that prove that you have the additional aspects of leadership beyond ritual memorization, right. In order to hold that, that chair. You know, you want to be part of a committee or if you want to be, um, if you want to be part of education, like there should be certain, um, flavors of, of certification that should be continually re-upped that, that, um, prove that you have the proficiency, the knowledge, the understanding, uh, to keep that going on. Right. So that's again, if I were a great master for a day, clean slate, right. It's not just master Mason one and done. Um, it's not just your warden certificate here in Virginia. Uh, to, to just get you in, a, in an officer's chair. Um, it, it is something that you have to work for, you have to prove for. And I love the idea, love the idea of, of like PDUs in the uh, program management professional aspect of what if there were Masonic development units, MDUs that actually uh, prove that, how are you applying this? In the past two years, how have you applied masonry? What have you learned? What have you researched? What have you shared? What have you presented? Like that, I think, helps grow the fraternity, helps grow the craft, and helps grow the individual, which is what we're all about, right? We're taking good men and making them better, one certification at a time. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you next week, and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow.